Welcome to the Introvertpreneur Podcast. Take a breath because you are in the right place and you can finally stop apologizing for being an introvert. I'm Tara and I've discovered how to thrive as an entrepreneur while being 100% true to myself. Now I want to help you do the same. In these episodes, you're going to find everything you need to build a successful service-based business so you can stop competing with extroverts and grow and market your business with ease. Are you ready? Welcome back to another episode of the Introvertpreneur Podcast. We are joined today by the amazing Sandra Vanderlee, who is an amazing copywriter, and she is the amazing person behind Damn Copy, who, if you're on my email list, you've probably seen me promote her amazing copy templates many times before. So welcome. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you so much, Tara. Honestly, I'm just so excited to be here. Yeah, you are. I was telling you before we hit record, you are somebody that I wanted to have on the podcast for such a long time because I I love how you talk about sales. And I think so many people in my audience need that kind of salesy mindset because, I mean, we kind of struggle with sales sometimes. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't, right? Like I struggle too still. So I think we all we all have stuff around sales for sure. Yeah, so I'm I'm sure the most, Majority of my audience already knows who you are, but for anyone who doesn't know who you are, I'd love for you to introduce yourself a little bit more and kind of share more about your story. Yeah, of course. So after university, I started an online business because I was like nine to five cubicles, bosses, no thank you. I have been nomadic for the last couple of years. Actually, I went full-time nomad just before the pandemic. So that all turned out a little bit differently than I expected. I was supposed to be in Australia for a whole year, ended up living in Bali for a year and a half during all the lockdowns. I have since been back in Europe. I've lived in Mexico. I've lived in California. But basically, I think that's a a big thing that not everyone realizes on the internet is that I haven't lived in the same place for a long time. Hopefully soon that's going to change. So that's a really big thing. And then the other thing is that currently I have a copywriting business and then I have a personal brand where... You know, damn copy is all copywriting. My personal brand, a lot of it has to do with sales, the mindset behind it, what actually is sales and what is not, right? Like I have very bad news for all of our Canva habits, not sales. So that's kind of the personal brand. Is there anything specific you always ask or want to know? I think like, what is your mindset around sales? Like, how do you feel about sales now or how has that shifted over time? Oh, I think at the beginning... There's a really rough question. There's kind of a make or break point. And the question that I ask when a client comes to me, this thing hasn't sold, or I don't know why no one's buying this. And I ask them to list out, well, what have you done to sell it? And sometimes there's a quiet and then an, oh, bleep moment, right? And sometimes they start listing all these things. And then like, you realize none of these are sales activities, right? Writing a sales page, you need one, not a sales activity. Making pretty things in Canva, sure, you can use them, not sales activities, right? And they start listing all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I get that you need some of this in place, but you need to go out and tell the people. So there's a a really a thing there. And for me, I think around 2020, at the start of them copy, I gave myself a financial goal and I told myself, like, it's either this or you get a job. At some point, I was just done. 
I was done with not making enough money to pay myself like an average salary for, I mean, I'm from the Netherlands, so I'm from a Western Europe salary, basically. And I was like, I was just sick of it. And I said to myself, like, if I don't make this revenue and I use profit first, so I know what my salary is based on that. January 1st, I'm getting a job. And when it was that black and white and that sort of, there was no other choice. And the funny thing is that within two months, I was doing like two, two and a half times my goal every single month. It was so ridiculous. It was a switch where, because I said like, there's a real consequence for not doing this and not getting there, right? And it's a consequence I want to avoid forever, for real. I did not want a job. But I was just sick of not making like a proper income. I love that. Yeah, you gave yourself like a hard piece of accountability. Yes. And like a, a real one. And then it was this thing of like, am I more scared of doing a webinar to sell my services, which no one ever does, but I did and it worked, right? Am I more scared of that than I am of having to admit defeat and apply for a job? And then it turns out that if the alternative is applying for a job, everything else was easy. I love that. Yeah. Sometimes we have to do that, like kind of force our hand. There's a there's a Dutch business coach I follow. And I don't, these days I have a much more balanced approach. And I believe that there's a very big thing around keeping our nervous system safe. And there's all sorts of biological mechanisms at work too, right? When it comes to doing scary stuff. But there's a Dutch business coach I follow. And she goes like, well, if you, and I know that you've been there with your pets, but she's like, if the alternative is not feeding your kids, or if it's like your cat needs a life-changing surgery and you need $2,000, how much do you want to bet that you're going to be able to make that today? So why don't you do it on a normal day? And, and that is such an interesting thing that happens when we're comfortable enough, like we're fine and we just tinker along when it comes to sales. And then when there's a need or when it's necessary, or we have a no matter what this needs to happen situation, we make it happen. Yeah, that's so true. I'm thinking back to like, um, I know I was in the, oh, what is the club with um, Rachel Rogers? Oh, the Hello 7 or something? Yeah, yeah. There was a 10K in 10 days challenge. And I was like, oh, this is impossible. But I forced myself to do it. And I was like, I need to do this. I, I'm going to do it no matter what. Like, I'm going to pretend like, my house is on the line. Like the bank is going to take it if I don't make this 10 day. And I was able to do it. And that was, I, I think, yeah, sometimes we just need to force our hand because if we just leave it up to ourselves, especially at the start, we probably won't sell or talk about our offers. I think for a lot of it, there's there's a balance in that, right? We can't always operate from a, they're going to come for my house if I don't make this. Right? Because I think there's really seasons where you need to push and then you need to kind of normalize and you need to ease because on the one hand, I'm all like, oh, what can I do this week? Or how can I do something wild? At the same time, like stability and ease and that consistency is so much better in the long run. Like, why would you wait until you're like, oh, I need to have a job or now I'm in real trouble or I'm not going to hit my goal in the last five days. So the last five days of the month are the only days I sell, right? So I think there's a really useful place for them, but they cannot be the only time you make money. Yeah, I think it's good for like pushing yourself at the start to like focus more on sales, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I like, there's this really interesting thing that happens and I've literally, I've nicknamed this the confidence paradox and at some point I might write a book by the name and that's that, before we do, like the weird thing is that 
confidence followed action. So we have to do something before we're confident that it works. But once we've done it and it's like, hey, we didn't die and it worked, then we feel confident selling. So the next time is always easier than the first time because, you know, I've done it before. I didn't die. Nothing bad happened. I can do it again. So the first, yes, push at the beginning. Yeah, because I know I see a lot of people, especially on social media. I'm I'm not like on social media much anymore, but I know back when I was, I would like scroll my feed and I would see a post that was kind of interesting and I would click over to their profile to see like what they did, like what they offered. And I couldn't figure it out There was because they never actually sold. They were just like giving value and value and value. And I'm like, okay, but what do you do? Like I get, I want, right. like, how do I pay you? Yeah. <laughs> and you know, I had a really interesting situation recently where we were rolling in one of my higher level programs. And I had a conversation with this person three and a half months ago, like maybe three months ago. We talked about the program. She was really interesting. That live round, the timing wasn't right for her with what else she had going on. We went back and forth. She was super excited about it, yada, yada. And for this enrollment period, I knew she was really busy because the event she was doing was kind of happening live. And I messaged her about it. And I was like, hey, Skilled Up is back, da, da, da. Do you want to talk about it? We have like an early bird enrollment discount. And she goes like, what is it again? And I'm like, (laughs) we talked about this for an hour and a half, three months ago. And she kind of goes like, What's that again, right? What do we do with that one? And that kind of made me go like, oh, even my super fans, and I would classify this person as she's a person that's bought a lot of my things, goes, what? What's that again? Oh, right. It's amazing. And I can't believe, right? And she texted me. She's like, I can't believe I forgot what it was. And now I'm considering spending thousands of dollars on it. But it was so funny. And it was this reminder of that. You can never sell too much. (laughs) No, we know what we do. But also, and especially if you have an audience of busy people, right? Whether it's entrepreneurs or moms or side hustlers or full-time career professionals, we're all busy, Mm -hmm. right? We forget. Like the only person that knows everything in your business is you. Yeah, that was fascinating. (laughs) I've even, I've even had that too a few times where somebody's like, oh, I didn't even know you had that. Or I didn't even know you had something on that topic. And I'm like, yep, yeah, I, I obviously need to talk about it more or like mention it. Yeah. It's so funny how that works, isn't it? How people are like, oh, I didn't know this existed. And you were like, didn't I do like a really big launch and feel really uncomfortable about this six weeks ago? I feel like everyone must be sick of this thing. And I'm like, oh, oh, that's cool. I'm going to buy it. And you're like, what? Why didn't you get it on sale six weeks ago? Like it was so much cheaper six weeks ago. Yeah, I love it. It's so true because it, we think that every single piece of content we write and put out there, or every email we write and send, that everyone's going to see it too, and they're not. No. So, and even if they see it, that doesn't mean they sort of read it, remember it, look at it, and make a conscious decision, yes or no. Yeah, that's such a good story for anyone listening who's like, I hate bothering my audience because I hear that a lot when it comes to email. Like, oh, I don't want to email too much or bother them. And I'm like, just send it. Like people are on your list because they want to hear from you. And otherwise they can unsubscribe. And that's cool too, right? Like, so I, because I'm, because I write sales emails, I'm not on a lot of people's lists and I don't read a lot of emails because I try and keep it as clean as I can. You know, when people pay me for a copy, I don't want it to be inadvertently a good idea from someone else. So I try to be very mindful. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is like, my inbox is a mess. I don't even want to go in there. I don't <laughs> want more newsletters. But my favorite people 
you bet your ass I'm going to go in and read their emails and see what they're up to. Mm-hmm. You are, as a service provider, as an online business owner, you are probably the favorite person of people in your audience, which is a really weird thing to realize, I'm sure. But that's just how it is. They want to hear from you. Yeah, it's funny. I was even telling my husband a couple of days ago, I think it was after I did a joint workshop on Monday with Dama. And I was like, I after I got off that, I was like, it is amazing to me. Like I had private message about like, oh, how's Cheeto doing? And I'm like, you know, my dog's name. And like, that's so amazing. Like I'm, I'm shocked that people do pay attention. Like your people that want to listen will listen to everything Uh you put out and the people who are super busy, they probably aren't opening every single email. So if you send multiple emails, they're bound to open one. Hopefully. Yeah, exactly. And it's, you know, you bond over people with strange If someone has a golden retriever, I'm going to fall like ass over <laughs> tea kettle in love with them, right? Because my parents have one and they're amazing. I bonded with my, my brand designer I keep using. I When we talked about my branding, I mentioned a TV, like a comedy show that I really like. And I kind of refer to the personalities in there for my brand personality. She has the same favorite show, right? <laughs> like that sort of stuff also... It's all about like, we're at the end of the day, humans buying from other humans. Mm -hmm. And we generally do not buy things from people we do not like. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, I know even like the people that I'm consistently opening every single email, like my favorite people, like you said, like, I know probably way too much about them because (laughs) I consume everything. So if they do share a personal story that I can relate to, I'm going to remember that. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. So what what are your tips for somebody who maybe will go into sales copy? Because I know a lot of people struggle with writing copy that feels like them and is not like super mm-hmm. salesy, but does actually convert. Um, get a template. That's tip one. <laughs> get a template. Aside from that, I think there's a thing that in one way our offer is about us, but 90% of the offer isn't about us. It's about the other person. And that's what I see go wrong a lot, where if I come on a sales page and people come to me and they already have something, and in section two, I've seen the word I more than 15 times, I'm like, no, it's not really about you. So I think there's a really big thing that I, there's a quote of mine that every once in a while I'll I'll reshare it. And that's that to me, a sales page is a love letter to your ideal client. You know this person, they have a problem and you have a solution. So what do they need to know, understand and see about your solution to either buy it or not buy it, right? Because that's the other thing to me is that a sales page to me helps you make a decision. And the decision can be, this is not for me. And I think there's a really fun example on, um, I have a few, like I always do like, this is for you, this is not for you section. I think if you go to my done for you sales page website, you'll have a great example because it's literally like, if you expect this, this is not for you. If you, I ha- literally have things around like, if you want five meetings and me to hold your hand every step, this is not for you because that's just not how I work. So there's a thing there about like being really honest about what the offer is and what it is not. And really keeping in mind that this person has a problem. And you have a way to fix it for them. And you're doing them a favor by giving them all of the information they need to make a decision. And there is nothing icky or sleazy or wrong about that. Yeah, I I really love that this is for you. This is not for you section because 
And I think sometimes people will get in their head about, oh, but I, but I want to make money. But do you really want to make money from somebody who it's not a good fit for? Like that's where the drama is. Like that's where the refund requests are. That's where the naggers are. That's where like a disconnect is just always going to suck on the delivery side of things. Yeah. And I think some people worry like, oh, but I don't want to repel people. You should want to repel people. <laughs> yes. Well, it's this thing where if you if you try to be neutral, then people don't connect to you either. And it doesn't have to be. And I know that especially since your audience has so many introverts, like I know that my branding is bold. And I mean, the company is called Damn Copy, right? <laughs> you know what you're getting kind of. But it it doesn't have to be that way to still connect and convert. I think your branding is a really good example of that. But it's also a thing around, we talk like we are, and there's a thing around honesty. And, you know, the whole, in my personal brand, there's a whole thing about being unapologetically salesy. But there's a really a big thing about if you have ownership of who you are and what you can do, it will bring in the right person. And the right person is the person that's going to buy from you again and again. It's the best compliment I've ever had is one of my very first clients. And she's followed me through all of those business iterations over the years. And she at some point publicly said, you know what, if Sandra creates something, I'm just going to go and buy it because it doesn't matter what it's about. I know it's going to be good. And that's the kind of person that you want to attract. I love that. Yeah. I think um, being unapologetically yourself too, it's going to make sales feel easier because you're you're more confident with who you are and what the offer is and the value. So it's going to be easier to, I know everyone says like, look at selling as serving, which is kind of true, but you do need to be a little more salesy sometimes. Yeah. And it's this thing too of selling as being of service. And I agree with that, right? I, I love Sarah. Dan has this whole phrase of you're fucking welcome. I wish I came up with it first <laughs> because I love it, obviously. But there is also a part of it, and especially as introverts or for me, what I notice is throughout, like, we're going deep into the personal stuff now. Like throughout my cycle, there is differences in how extroverted and how salesy I want to be, right? The first happy half, I'm all like, Buy this thing. It's amazing. Here's something new. Yay. Get it. Woo. And then the second half, I just want to like burrito up with my blanket and be like, leave me alone. And that's where your evergreen sequences and your funnels and your, you know, that I've been working on like an automated, a, a weekly newsletter. That's a sequence, right? So I don't need to write it every single week. It just starts at the beginning when you sign up. Like the systems can support you. The team can support you. If you're clear about this is the offer. This is who it's amazing for. This is the brand voice or what we stand for. And a really big thing is having brand values because they'll help you guide the language, the decisions, how you position an offer. A team can help you. Other people can do it for you, right? After you've set sort of the standard or the bar, which means that you don't have to be salesy all the time, right? You don't have to be salesy every single day if you don't want to. But there is a part on... I think the biggest competitive advantage you can have, there's two. One is doing what you say you will do when you say you will do them, which should not be a competitive advantage, but it is. <laughs> and I hate that it is, but it's the biggest competitive advantage the service provider can ever have or any kind of business owner. And the other thing is, oh, I went off on a tangent and the pod just flew out, right? <laughs> Happens to me all the time. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's like being cool and being okay with who you are. 
and not looking at I don't even know I don't follow famous people everyone's like have you heard of this person like no yeah I I don't either (laughs) oh yeah no he's really famous can you write email secrets I was like I don't know this guy then I go and look it's like oh tv show oh Amazon bestseller like it's funny I actually went on TMZ like a couple weeks ago to like I was I forget what I was looking at but I saw something on Facebook and I'm like oh I'm gonna go like see if it's on TMZ about this person Mm -hmm. and I'm like scrolling the latest post and I'm like I have no idea who any of these people are that they're talking about anymore and same for like the the business industry like who oh great another whatever but yeah there's a thing about being really cool with who you are and not comparing yourself to all these other people because that lets you kind of take space from I'm not good enough what if no one wants it like all that negative self-talk that we do but also from the comparison thing and if you menstruate and especially if you don't take any hormonal anticonception you probably know that there is a season every single month for every single cycle where that comparison, that inner bitch that like comes up and goes, but look at them. You're never going to be as good as them. You're never going to, your product doesn't have this. You don't have that. You don't have the ads budget. You don't have the five success coaches and community, whatever. Right. And when you become cooler about this is who I am, this is what I stand for. This is my expertise. And I own this expertise it just becomes so much easier because you don't have to feel bad about selling anymore. Yeah. That's a, yeah, that's what I've been struggling with is like looking at comparing my membership with other like membership programs that have like all of these extra calls, but that's because they have like five to 10 coaches inside the program. It's not. And that's something that I decided I didn't want to do. I wanted it to be me. I didn't want to like, Oh, join my membership, but I won't be there. Like I, so, but it's hard to compare. Like I do compare like, Oh, look at all this stuff that they're putting out every month for their members. And I'm like, I got to remember though, that, yeah, it's not just them doing it. They have probably have a huge team behind the scenes. They also have 10 coaches doing all the calls. Like, yeah, there's no way I could do that many calls myself in a month. <laughs> and I mean, one of my mottos or one of my rules for life is less, but better. Because I look at them, I don't really join memberships because I won't go in and use the stuff in there anyway. Like, so if you approach it from that thing, it's also like, well, if you're going to compare yourself, at least figure out where you're better than it, right? Like you can choose to tell yourself the story. You can look for all the comparison things where you're like, oh, I suck because I don't have all of this. Or you can look for the story and go like, what is the advantage? Or how do I frame this in a way where mine is better? I feel better about it, right? Because the opposite argument is when members join your membership, They get exactly what they need and nothing extra. There's no fluffy stuff and they get access to you. And that as you grow, and that's uh, something that I'm navigating on the back is how big does the team get? Where do you get access to me? Is it still valuable if you don't get access to me? Right? Because I've had someone like had a total fan moment over the fact that they needed to merge their accounts because they had two different email addresses with accounts. And I did it myself and I emailed them back and there was a little, hey, what's going on? Da, da, da. I love that you all have this. I fix it for you. And they're like, was this, re- are you really Sandra? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. And at some point, like, I know I'm coming to a point where I, I can't be doing that, right? There's no time for me. Like, I don't want to say I'm too expensive, but it's just like, I have so much to do that I should not be doing that. But isn't it amazing that you can choose to stay at a level where you can reply to your own customer service emails if you want to. And that to me is less but better. That's a good motto. Less but better. I love that. Yeah. 
it started as being a digital nomad. And when I left the first time, I only had a carry-on and my laptop backpack. Now I have like a big ass suitcase because I have a winter wardrobe and a summer wardrobe in there. But I, you know, it has to be less but better because if you only get to carry along three pairs of pants, you better make sure they're really good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. It's kind of like the the capsule wardrobe analogy for your yeah. business, like creating yeah. capsule business model. <laughs> Yes, which auntie, I have a sprawling business model into all sorts of nooks and crannies, which I like, but I am trying to rein it back with that motto of less but better. Or what I really like to do for me, it's what's the minimum someone needs to get to the result, right? Which is the opposite of all of the courses where they give you everything. (laughs) And here's a bonus and here's a bonus and you get eight weeks of this and there's 25 calls and the calendar is here and I'll make you feel bad for missing any, any of the calls, right? And I'm like, sure, but if I can get the same result quicker, why would I want all of that? And that to me, I had a high ticket hybrid model and I have gotten rid of that because what I saw was that I made more money. It was higher value, but the results slowed down. Mm-hmm. I was like, why would I take more of your money so you can get the results slower? Yeah. right. That to me just didn't make any sense. We're all over the place, aren't we? We're supposed to talk about coffee. <laughs> I think this is all good though. It's all related to to selling and sales in your business. So it's all good. Yeah. Okay, good. (laughs) I was thinking too, like what you said about courses and like giving too much. That's why I think your program with Laura is so amazing Uh and so different versus like every other offer or a program out there that's about like creating a course. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, that's so Skilled Up is a program I do with an instructional designer, Laura Wilson, who's amazing. She's done instructional design for two of my programs and then a program we have together. Honestly, if you're thinking about a course, an instructional designer can add some real value. That's a side note. But yeah, it's basically a hybrid. So we have a part where you do stuff with Laura and she creates a course map. So she does a done for you course map. And then you meet with me to talk about your copy, to talk about your sales, to talk about your launch, to kind of, so you have one-on-one sessions, you have access, there's a curriculum, but we, it's really a hybrid thing because what I've noticed is that no matter how many self-study courses people buy, they still don't get launched. Or they do. And it's, it's not the best offer it's not a great experience (laughs) yeah or it's like not a good offer or it's not like the offer is fine but the actual content is bad because no one teaches you how to teach which is a whole skill on its own Mm -hmm. and I'm convinced that so I have two self-study programs that I sometimes run live rounds for one for service providers and one for to set up a template shop which are amazing but they would have been nowhere near as good if I didn't have Laura who came up with the instructional design and the lesson plans and how, but what I learned from that is also how do I convey information? How do I teach someone, make sure that they use it and get one step closer to the goal? Cause that's in a lot mm-hmm. of programs. Like here's 90 minutes of the person talking and you don't know what to do in the end. And you've learned a bunch of stuff, but you're not able to implement any of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's another rule I had to come up with for myself that implementation beats everything. There's no point in reading 25 business books if you don't use it. Yeah, we have too much in our heads already. Just consuming yeah, more. I need more information. Yeah. <laughs> I need more execution. Yeah. And I, I think like that's why I really love Scaled Up so much is because like looking at what it is, because I tell you when I first 
did my first course. I think it was back in 2015. It was like totally different niche and market and industry. And it was kind of terrible, but I, w- I signed up for two pretty expensive, high investment programs about creating wow. a course. And I went through them and it wasn't until like two, three years later that I actually heard the word instructional designer. Like nobody was even talking about that. They're just like, throw all this information, record your modules, and then here's how to sell it. And that was like it. (laughs) Teach what you know. Like, really? (laughs) No, I I disagree with that. You don't teach what you know. You teach what what gets a person from A to B, right? And there is value and it's fun to see behind the scenes. And I love those little... You know, I have bonuses in my mini membership and in some of my programs, I show like behind the scenes of the sale and how it went and how many emails I sent or what I actually did for a launch or whatever. But without a way to implement that or learn from that, it's just, it's just like Netflix, right? All you do is consume it. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's something I'm working on this year too, because I've just amassed such a huge library of courses Mm -hmm. and resources that I'm like, I need to actually pick one a week, go through it and then implement it, not just go through it and then try to remember everything for the next time I need it. Yeah. I I don't even want to, I don't want to bit how many, how much stuff I own that I don't use. (laughs) Like let's, let's talk about something else. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Yes. I want you to talk about your salesy AF challenge because I think that will be really beneficial for everyone listening who struggles with sales. (laughs) Yeah. So I think there's two super low cost, super interesting thing that I'll make sure that you get links to. So Let's Get Salesy was a five-day mini life challenge that I ran where I talked for 10 minutes or less, usually less. And there's like a little, I call them snack exercises. (laughs) This is like a little snack, snacky exercise. It's a snack exercise. And what I talk about is how do you, how do you sell something, right? And we kind of pull that together so that you, you're actually able to sell something in the week, but it's really easy. It's like a five, you can go through it in a day. And I think actually that one has the best, one of the best pieces of content. And there's a free video that talks about the same thing that I'll make sure you also have. I'm just going to give you all the links. Okay, perfect. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it's a little five-day walk-through, walk-away with some stuff. And it's really around like messaging. There's a really cool example in there because I think the biggest piece of content or the most important thing I talk about there is that there's really only four reasons anyone buys anything. And I won't spoil them for (laughs) you. You can find them in my free video. Yes. Uh, And then I show like one of the things I do is I go to, I went to Apple's website and they had their back to school sale that they do every summer. And I could literally, I literally broke down. It's like, okay, so this thing, one of the things that, you know, that we buy is to save time. And I talk about, so here's how it does that. Here's how it helps with money, right? Like here's how they have in these two sentences, how they hit all of those four points. And obviously like Apple has assumingly really good copywriters, Mm -hmm. I assume. So yeah, it's just a really fun little five-day thing. And it helps you think about, how do I sell this thing? How do I position this thing? How do I talk about this thing? So that is one. And the other one is my unapologetically salesy society, which is my $9 a month membership. And that's where we really talk about being unapologetically salesy. Like there's the thing about what sales actually are, but there's also a big thing around the mindset. I have some meditations in there because there's this thing where 
all these weird internal processes start to happen when we when we try and sell our stuff. And it's very often, it's not that you don't know what to do. If I say to any of you, how would you do a webinar launch, right? And especially maybe not as a beginner, but how would you do a webinar launch? How would you do a challenge launch? How would you do a flag sale? You can probably come back and tell me and be like, well, so I need a challenge topic. I need to decide how many days it's going to be about this. I need a Facebook group. I need to send emails, right? The what is not the problem. The problem is all the stuff that kind of happens in our brains and our bodies and and the freakouts and the who am I to do X, Y, Z, and I'll be so visible and rah. And that's the stuff that holds up the implementation and the selling. <laughs> yes, basically, yes. So I, I try to kind of balance both of these in there. And it's really fun. It's only $9. It's really cool. We're building out an automated forum. So on Monday, we come into your inbox and we're like, so tell us what you're selling this week. And then on Friday, we kind of slide back. And so and we're like, so how did it actually go? Which I feel like I love that sort of automated accountability of, all right, so I'm selling this. And I think a big thing we talk about there is awareness too, where there's things you need to do to make sure that you can sell, Right. If there's no PayPal link or a checkout or a sales page or like it becomes much harder, there needs to be stuff in the physical world for people to actually give you money. But that's not the same as actually selling the thing, right? And once you learn the difference between those two and that you need both, I think that's where the magic kind of happens, especially when you learn to kind of regulate yourself and start to feel more comfortable doing it. It just kind of stacks and stacks and stacks. I love that. Yeah. Especially for introverts, it's going to take time to feel comfortable and yeah. it just, you, you just have to start doing it more often, like be more intentional around selling. Yeah, exactly. I love that. Yeah. We'll have the links in the show notes and I'm so excited about your $9 offer and membership. That's like so many people need that. Sales is like I think sales is the number one thing that I hear from my audience, even in my membership, like what they struggle with. It's not, yeah. it's not so much like planning or coming up with ideas or like knowing what they have to do. It's actually doing it in a way that is going to result in sales because I mean, we need sales. We're businesses. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's, there's this interesting thing, like things cost money. <laughs> Yeah. Or we're just totally passive about it. Like, oh yeah, I have this. It's, it's just here, which I love evergreen, but I think even yeah. with evergreen, like you have to be a bit salesy behind it. You can't just, yes, like, <laughs> I need to launch my services. And I literally, and this is just to kind of also share that you don't have to be perfect at it for it to work. Right. Where I kind of go and because we're doing so much structuring behind the scenes right now that I run two companies, there's just so much more in terms of operations and all the back end stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not too worried about my copywriting. I haven't even put the days up for the next quarter. Right. Like there's nothing bookable right now. And I'm like, I'm not to worry about it because I know that when I open the spots and I decide to sell the spots, I'll just go send a couple of emails, reach out to a couple of clients and sell the spots, mm -hmm. right? So you don't have to be perfect about it where it's like, yes, I could probably make more money if I was more consistent around it. If I had a plan and if I followed the whole from then to then, I'll sell this and this from then to then I'll sell that and that. And I'm eventually if your team grows or if you, you have moving pieces or you have two companies or you know, you're a nomad and you're like me and you travel and there's time zones and there's weird stuff. You might need that eventually, but there is a very strong magic in learning and understanding that 
if I do X, Y usually happens. And Y means I make $5,000, for example. Yeah. And you can pull the trigger on that anytime. I'm not a planner. Like <laughs> We have a sauna. I'm never in there. Tara knows about this. <laughs> <laughs> we have stuff. I don't know where the stuff is. I don't know when the stuff is. I don't know who owns the stuff, but there is stuff. Yeah, I feel like I'm kind of both. Like I I'm I love planning and like mapping things out and but then I also have these bursts of like hyper focus where I'm just like okay, let's do this next week or I'm feeling this or here's this new idea. Let's run with it. So I think it, sometimes yeah. you need to have both or I mean whatever's going to work best for you to actually get the stuff I out and sell. Both, but this kind of ties back to the thing we said about like owning who you are and being okay with that, right? And there's a very strong part where, and I've noticed because I've gone through a really rapid growth cycle in them copy and now with the second business where I kind of looked around and I was like, oh, my peers are suddenly not my peers anymore, <laughs> right? It was really strange to kind of go through. And the funny thing is like not selling is hard, but selling loads and seeing the results is also hard in a different way. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking for like, how do I make systems? How do I sell? How do I work in a way that feels good for me, that works for me? And I see other entrepreneurs that make, they might also have ADHD. They might also have a multi-offer business or multiple business. And they do this. I'm like, oh, that's what I probably need to do too. And I'm like, but wait a second. If I get really honest about it, like, I would love to have a really tight SOP-based system that if I get sick or my assistants get sick, someone else, we can bring in someone, they can do it. That's fine, right? There's no problem. Here's how we work. Here's a template. Oh, someone wants to cancel their membership. Oh, someone can find like, here's what happens. But I want to that to exist outside of me, without me. And I can be that really annoying CEO that shows up to the meeting with a new idea and is going to fuck up everybody's day, Right. Or it's just going to be like, here's a bunch of roles. These need to happen. And I get to do what I want to be creating right now. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's there's a thing about the better I know myself and the more I accept myself, the more I can leverage that. And the more fun I get to have and the more money I get to make, which is also some really good site bonuses. Yeah. And I think what you said earlier about your cycle too, it's important to know that like your the way you work best, it's going to shift potentially like through seasons or even monthly, like, and that's okay. Like you'll figure out how you work best for right now. And that could change in the future. And maybe suddenly you want to shift and you can literally see it on how much does Sandra share on her Instagram stories? That is very cyclical. (laughs) (laughs) And I think like systems and automations and evergreen and funnels kind of will help fill up that gap. Right. Yeah, which I definitely love for, but I think it's good for sustainability, but also for introverts mm-hmm. who who don't want to be like yes. full on salesy all the time or feel like they're constantly like shouting, buy this, buy this. this like, you can still do both. And yeah, and this is maybe the biggest copywriter takeaway tip as an introvert, email is your friend, right? And if you're not, if you don't love to write, but you're better at speaking or verbalizing your thoughts, voice note it, have it transcribed, speech to text, like there's all sorts of ways. Emails where it's at. And I love, I think it was you, Tara, that actually said, I love your sales emails. They never Mm -hmm. feel like sales emails. And I'm like, every newsletter I send is a sales email because I always have at least one affiliate link, one offer. Like there's always at least 
one thing where if you like it, decide it, look at it, buy it, I either make money or a commission, or you learn more about who I am and what I do. Yeah, I think that's, and that's just a natural thing. Like as you become more comfortable with sales, you'll more naturally be able to sell in those emails so that to your audience, it doesn't even feel like a sales email, but it is. Yeah, it's, if I don't have anything to say or anything to sell, I'm not freaking easy. <laughs> like, and it can be really simple, right? I had a, a copycat situation and I talked about that and how I was dealing with it. And the lawyer I have on retainer, like he launched his law firm the next week. So for part two, I added his affiliate link and I disclosed, here's the affiliate to my lawyer. I would recommend him anyway, mm-hmm. but X, Y, Z, right? So it's not always, here's my thing, buy my thing. It can also be like, here's a story I'm sharing that is relevant to you, interesting to you, you probably want to know about, and there's a sales opportunity, right? Or, and there's an offer. And I've had people judge me when I sometimes comment on what's happening in the world, like not very often, because there's too much is happening in the world at any given time anyway. And I have people that find it offensive that I will send an email and then have something to sell at the bottom. And I'm like, if I can't sell because shit is going wrong in the world, I've lived on five different continents. Let me tell you this. The world is in a bad place in a lot of places. I could never sell. Yeah. That's right? So it's... If if I had to sort of wait until the perfect day to sell, I would never sell. But yeah, just look for what's the natural opportunity. And if there isn't one, is it like, is there an affiliate link to a tool you've been playing with? Did you get a really good result using some product? Is there a friend who's launching something amazing? And I've literally just, you know, I sometimes say, hey, you mentioned Dama before. She's one of my business besties. I'm like, She's launching something amazing. And I'm so excited. Here's where you get your ticket. By the way, this is my affiliate link right? That's all it is. I love that. Yeah. One of the recent emails that I sent out that got like the most replies was one where I went into, cause I have all of my like expenses, like systems and recurring payments in Airtable. And I went in there to kind of review them and update anything that's mm-hmm. been updated. Cause I've switched out a lot of systems. So I was like, I'm going to share this in an email, like what I, how I've changed my systems. Cause I got rid of Dubsado. I now have Pabli Connect. So I wish I wrote that email and like listed everything out. And like, here's what it looks like. And everyone responding was like, I want to know more about this. Or I want to know, do you have a training on how you switch to this or how you utilize this in your business? And I'm like, ooh, these are some good ideas. <laughs> Gold mine. Gold mine. And of course, there were there were affiliate links in there too. Any tool that I use in my business that I'm also an affiliate for, I definitely included the affiliate link. Exactly. Awesome. Well, this was so much fun. We didn't really go into sales copy a lot, but I mean, we talked sales, which I think is going to be so valuable. Yeah. I just head over to them copy. There's stuff there. Yeah. Go grab your, go grab your templates and go grab a template, but also just kind of, what do you like as a buyer? Right. Final tip. What do you enjoy as a buyer? What do you like reading? What convinces you to buy from this person and not that person and spend some time noodling on that? That's a really good tip. Yeah. All right. Now we can wrap up. (laughs) Yay. Okay. So we're going to have all of Sandra's links in the show notes. So definitely go check out all of her amazing offers, copy templates, the salesy challenge, and yeah, go connect with her because she's absolutely amazing and is so knowledgeable in so many areas. And yeah, if you struggle with sales, she's who you need to 
get in touch with and talk to. (laughs) All right. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining me today. This episode may have ended, but there are ways we can stay in touch until next time. You can join me at thetarareed.com where you can find tons of blog posts and resources that will also help you grow your business. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at introvertcoach, where I share more introvert-friendly and service-based business tips with you. If you love what you're hearing, drop a five-star rating and review telling me what you are loving about the podcast so that I can continue to encourage as many introverted entrepreneurs as possible. Until next time, keep using your introvert superpowers.